Hello, this is Edward Lauder, founder and editor of Small Screen. This is Sean McLaughlin, story executive at the ISA, producer of Batman Beyond and Justice League Unlimited, and the writer-director of The Last Night of the Twi Night. And this is James Simon, CTO and producer over here at Small Screen. Hello guys and welcome to Small Screen Live. I hope you guys are doing very, very well. We've got lots of stuff to talk about on today's show. We've got Sean with us, we've got James with us, the whole gang is here, all ready to talk about everything pop culture related, mainly comic book stuff, but we'll also talk a little bit about, maybe a little bit about Star Wars today as well, because we're just chatting it chatting about it behind the scenes. Uh, before I get into the show, um, for all you viewers watching on the main small screen channel, because we are actually streaming this on two YouTube channels, which I didn't know you could do. But uh, if you could also go on to small screen live, which is where these shows will be streamed for the, for the foreseeable future, subscribe there. And that's where a lot of the chat's happening as well. So if you're watching on the main channel and you want to join in with the chat, Go on over to Small Screen Live. And uh, hi, everyone else watching on Facebook and Twitch. And I hope you guys are all doing very well. Um, I think James likes to bring up the comments, doesn't he, beforehand? So uh, bring up some comments, James. Yes, so it's at Small Screen Live on, on YouTube. So go on and check out at Small Screen Live. Like and subscribe over there. And if you haven't liked and subscribed here, do that as well. Please, 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 please. Uh, right, who do we have in the chat? We have, yes, the small, <laughs> the, this, this bloody comment from the small screen that always comes up. What did you guys think of the Book of Boba Fett episode three? Let us know your thoughts in the comments. I Honestly, I do not understand why that, that keeps on coming up on Facebook for some reason, and I cannot get rid of it. It's really annoying. I don't know. It's a glitch. It's a glitch in the system. It's a glitch in the matrix. It's never going to go away. Uh, so, and Marvel Truth says, yo all. Hello to Marvel Truth. I hope you're doing very well. Uh, who else do we have? We have Sean Soundtracks in the chat saying hi. Hello, Sean. I hope you're doing well. It's nice to see you in the comments. Uh, we've got Jedi Master EJ saying hello there. You're back. How are you doing, Jedi Master EJ? It's nice to have you in the chat. And uh, we've got Bobby Anderson saying, I hope your day is going beautifully. I hope yours is too, Bobby. Nice, nice to see you in the chat. And uh, back on Animal Crossing in a big way, so I need I need to go to your island. I, know I say that every week, but I'm I'm hard at work on my own island at the moment, um, just to get it ready for your visit. Uh, the first Ranger Battalion says, also let's go small screen, more like late screen. Am I right? I kid, I love you. Let's do this. Yeah, we were a bit late today. Uh, you know, we 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 try to we try to get it in on time, but doesn't it was my happen. fault. Uh, it's always James's fault. <laughs> it was. It yeah. wasn't James's fault, right? Who else did it do? You can't use that anymore. It's not Valentine's Day, James, so you can't use that anymore. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna like get rid of that clip. <laughs> it's the last thing I do. Right? Who else do we have in the chat? Is that everybody? Is that ever have I said hello to everybody? Sean Soundtrack's bringing up. Yes, that that was the Book of Boba Fett episode three where they had those uh, Vespers or the mopeds or whatever the hell they called those awful, awful things. But they're now part of Star Wars canon, amazingly. Uh, right, who else do we have? We've got Coach, um, sorry, Coach Goody four two one, the four hundred and twenty first Coach Goody, of course, on YouTube saying ha 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 ha. Yes, that's that's how I pronounce that. <laughs> And Rodney P saying, should we be worried about Aquaman 2 based on the recent test screenings? Or is it just BS? That's interesting, actually. Um, we weren't going to talk about the Aquaman test screenings, but um, yeah, I don't know if you heard about this, Sean. Hello, Sean, by the way. 
Hello. 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 Yeah, you bet I did. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I didn't really want to talk about, I, I did and I didn't, because we do want to, you know, talk about mainly positive things. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, there is some news that's not going to be positive. And apparently these test screenings haven't been going all that well. So <laughs> what have you heard, Sean, and what do you make of these stories? I think maybe they have a lousy cut. And uh, the reason they do those test screenings, hi, Bobby. The reason they do those test screenings is to to figure out why their cut is lousy. Um, so I give um, I give credence to it, the rumors, but whether or not that's really going to affect the final movie or not, you know, there's a lot of things that could happen between now and then. I don't think this mm -hmm. is a, a final cut, their test screening. Yeah. And it's, it's happened with multiple films in the past where you've heard, uh, you know, test screenings have not gone, gone well. And actually test screenings are now becoming a very important part of the filmmaking process where they'll, they'll put out a cut there, they'll show it to people, they'll test, see what is going right in the movie, see what's going wrong in the film, you know, based on their reactions and their feedback. Um, I was actually part of a test screening once for The Green Hornet. I was I was for uh, marked marked for death starring Steven Seagal. Oh, <laughs> that's a that's a special kind of hell watching an, an unfinished Steven Seagal movie. Well, well did, did they give you like um, uh, a sheet to fill in at the end of the movie, and then you you, you put down pros yeah. and cons basically? Yeah, yeah, and that's they, what and they had one of, those, one of those guys pacing back and forth in front. And who thought that he should not have yeah. a ponytail? Raise your hands. Yeah. Who thought so, he's so a weird. Who thought he's a Russian tool? Go ahead, raise your hands. <laughs> With us, they didn't have that. They, they um, because I remember they, they were basically uh, it was in a s cinema in um, West London, and they came up that I was obviously not doing anything that day. It was I was back uh, a journalist in London. They come up to you and they they they're like, "Do you want to see a, a movie that hasn't been released yet as a test screening?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll do it." And they're like, uh, "Before you say yes, uh, you have to. We have to know: Are you a journalist?" <laughs> And I was like, I want to see the free movie. So I said, no. <laughs> of course, I was a journalist. But I didn't write about it. But it wasn't a very good movie. The Green Hornet was just, it was the same film that they released in the end. It, they didn't really change much. But uh, yeah. It's, it's all changed with the internet. So here's me being old again. You know, they, they used to be able to hold these things in secret. They would go down to like Long Beach or something. The studios would go mm. down to Long Beach and do screening. But now everything goes out and they're... Um, you know, it's, cha it's changed Broadway. It's changed movies a lot. It used to be Broadway. It used to be previews were sacrosanct, and you, you, nobody reported on previews. And uh, Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark killed all that because you know they did the first preview and it was all over the web. Excuse the, the pun. How crappy it was after that. So <laughs> you know, yeah. I think the same thing's happening to Aquaman. And there's always talk about a test screening not going well. Yeah. There was, I mean, there was talk about, I remember Wonder Woman before that came out, there was talk of Wonder Woman not being that good. Uh, then the film came out, you know, it did pretty well. Um, I had a problem with the final third in that movie, but, you know, apart from that, I thought the film was actually quite decent. Uh, and it's happening again with Aquaman 2. And, um, you know, the, it, the, the movie, I think what a lot of people were kind of jumping off on with that film as well was the fact that James Gunn didn't actually mention Aquaman, the, you know, and the, last, the Lost Kingdom by name. In his, um, he mentioned the Flash movie and went on about how great that is, but he didn't mention the other, you know, DCEU film. So I think people are reading in uh, quite a lot into that. And I wonder whether he just maybe forgot. 
or or he's choosing to concentrate on the thing that he thinks is going to go forward yeah yeah and 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 also the thing that will probably help him change the course of the dc universe is is going to be that movie and it seems to me as though Aquaman 2 is going to be a finishing off point for this version of Arthur Curry. And, um, you know, I, we again, these these reports are probably true. Um, we don't, I mean, we don't know. None of us were part of this test screening. But just because you hear that people didn't or thought, that, I think they, one person said the worst DCEU movie ever. Uh, so, that, I mean, that would be pretty That's, that's a pretty high bar. <laughs> some pretty bad ones in the past um i've actually been enjoying watching um there's a guy called the cosmonaut variety hour he's quite a quite a big youtuber and he likes to go he likes to go through movies with a, you know he, he really when he reviews films he really goes through these films and he does a thing called the worst superhero movies ever made like a series where he uh he reviews those movies and i watched his his last one which one of the last ones he did, which was the Suicide Squad, and oh, I just it brought back memories of how bad that movie was. I was like, God, I forgot. He's like, this film's thirty minutes in, and we like we're still having establishing shots of these characters. It's just unbearable. It's like it, it's fir- true. The first one or the second one? The f- no, the first one, Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad. Okay, yeah, um, it's confusing, and. Yeah. Um, that that it brought back memories of how poor that movie was but there are a whole bunch of reasons why that movie was so poor which actually probably segues onto my next point you know this i'm very clever here i think you know what my segue is going to be um i want to since we're talking about dc (laughs) not 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 a segue we're still on scooters from we're still on scooters we're not using segues we're on it's a scooter it's a moped Um, I really, really, really to... want a Cortina. <laughs> yeah, um, basically the air cut. So there's been talk recently, mainly because David Ayer has shared yet another picture of um, Jared Leto's Joker. You know, there's apparently loads oh, of, okay. of, of footage. Um, I I wanted to know for, from you, and maybe James might want to chime in at some point about this as well. Do you think it's time for Warner Brothers Discovery to just release the air cut? of Suicide Squad. If it's there, why not? I mean, if you don't have to like throw any more money into it, then just, you know, why not? Just let it um, uh, out. I mean, you know, what what else is there to, to, to do? I mean, it's, you, you're not gonna spend any more money on it. Maybe, maybe there's gonna be some payments, back end payments for actors and stuff, but mm. what's what's it gonna hurt at this point? It's it's an interesting one because actually talking about um, test screenings and and things like that as well, bringing it back to that is the um, one of the reasons why that movie, the movie that we ended up getting, was so uh, all over the place was because Warner Brothers panicked um, mainly after the release of Batman versus Superman, realizing that people thought these films were too dark, uh, too brooding to moody and Deadpool had just done really well um so the it's famous to the film that, that was released was not the movie that David A had made that movie actually does exist and it was already being shown to people people have actually seen that cut as well and it's apparently pretty much finished there doesn't need to be anything else done to it 
And it's actually, I think it's quite an interesting example of what happens when studios panic and really interfere with things. And Warner Brothers seems to be very good at this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's I, I think it's a part of the corporate culture myself. I think it's yeah. you know, the inability to leave anything alone is just, it, it, I think somehow or another, it's, it's just the DNA of the company. Mm. Yeah, for, I don't know. I don't really understand why it's like particularly bad with Warner Brothers, because um, I mean, they, I don't know if you saw like the um, the the recent reports of how much money they are hemorrhaging. Um, is kind of like since the merger with Discovery, I think it was what two point <laughs> one billion or something. They they billion lost. in the, in quarter four. That was yeah. that was the thing that got me. So it's like it's not even <laughs> it, it, it's not even the whole year. That's just one quarter. Yeah, which is is insane, and um, I do wonder whether like Discovery is like thinking, "What the hell did we do with this?" Because they've gone. Discovery went from being one of the most profitable companies in you know working in the entertainment industry. They were doing very well um, before this merger, and I don't, there's something about Warner Brothers. It seems a bit like a poison chalice at the moment. No one really knows what to do with it. Well, it's the same thing that happened with AOL. When AOL mm, bought in, time true, yeah. time seems to have gotten away okay, but AOL bought in and their stock price dumped and the Warner Brothers stock price dumped immediately, um, which is one of the reasons why I still have to work. Um, and, you know, it, it, just, it just seems like it's a, a Warner Brothers itself is a hot potato that just gets thrown from investor to investor and nobody fixes anything. Yeah. And at the, at the time, I remember thinking about, um, what could happen when discovery, when the merger did happen? Because before that, they were, of course, with uh, AT and T, which was like the weirdest, the uh, kind of not. It wasn't a merger. AT and T owned uh, Time Warner, right? Uh, and honestly, they did not know what they were getting themselves into because AT and T is a tele is a telecommunications company. They've never made anything content related before. They've never made any movies or TV shows. They suddenly find themselves with um, a studio that uh, that owns some of the biggest IPs in the world, that made that you know has made some of the best movies ever made, and you know they just didn't seem to know what to do with it. It was really odd, really, really odd. That people were hoping that this merger with Discovery would end up kind of saving that. If anything, Discovery has spent most of its time now. Uh, David Zaslav, the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery trying to fix all these problems, solve all these problems um, that, that was caused by a, a very bad previous owner, really. One of, one of the problems that I, I actually think what they did with Zack Snyder's Justice League is actually testament to that poor management. Because um, really, doing what they did with that movie made no business sense. Because they spent, they ended up spending, I think it's reported that on that film alone, like if you're going to, if you're going to talk about Justice League in its entirety, from like even Justice League to Zack Snyder's Justice League, they ended up spending about over 400 million on that movie, <laughs> Ma <laughs> making it the world's most expensive superhero movie ever. They then most expensive released movie, movie ever. It, it, yeah, I mean, is it, it, it's got to beat Avatar, doesn't it? At 400 million. I mean, probably Avatar might have pipped it. I'm not sure, but the the, the difference between Zack Snyder's and the ju like Justice League in general, and then Zack Snyder's Justice League was Zack Snyder's Justice League was not released in cinemas. Could never have been released in cinemas. Let's be honest, because cinemas 
would not accept a four-hour movie because it would just not make any sense. They'd be like, well, we're only going to be able to screen this movie so many times a day. We're not going to make any of our money back. Um, they, then, they then put it on HBO Max. They gave, what, Snyder, was it 40 million extra mm-hmm. to finish the film? I think that ended up ballooning to even more than that. And and this was all happening whilst... Million. Was it 70 million they ended up giving? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This all for the, for the this, recut? 70 million for the, the, for the recut? Just to, yeah, just to shoot the extra scenes that he needed to do. So to pay the actors, to... <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's an ele- there's there's an element. Um, you know, it, it's it was utter insanity. If you're really going to look back back into it and think this was a stupid decision to make, I mean, I'm personally very happy that it happened because I got to see that movie and it was a very mm-hmm. interesting movie to watch. But you know, you've got to. It's a business. It's still a business, and it's still. It's mind-boggling that anyone involved at a business level in that company would have thought this was a good idea, just because I, I don't know. there was yeah, people I, talking about it, it on Twitter. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. What now? What I would have done um, if I ran the zoo was if they're going to spend that much money on it, I, I would have made it a roadshow. You know, like old time, Gone with the Wind and Sound of Music and stuff like that. And you just yeah. book it into big theaters at higher ticket prices. And uh, you know, let it let it play limited engagements that way, and that I, I don't know if that's going to get your money back, but it seems like a, 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 that, that way you can get a four hour long movie into a theater. But it, it, I mean, I mean they, they might be having the same issue with David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Is they just don't? I mean, yes, they could just release it on HBO Max, but now they're now they're really looking at looking at maximizing profits. So they'll probably want to see a way to make this, you know, how can we make this money profit, this movie profitable? Can we re-release it in cinemas? The the idea of doing like a, like almost like what they did with was it Grindhouse with those movies mm. where where they would release two movies and they would have like an interval. But 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 the thing is, cinemas have moved on from that, and multiplexes would I don't think agree to. I wouldn't think they would agree to doing that unless they're. I think maybe smaller, more independent cinemas would um, that they would actually and get they have, higher footfall. Yeah, and they have um, companies out there, distributors that do do those road shows. I mean, that's what Kevin Smith did to his last three films when he released those. But yeah, they might have a con- they might have a contract in place so that they can't just go to in- just any distributor. Yeah, that's probably it. Um, I know, and then there's the other thing. It was like, okay, I, I really wanted to see Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm glad we got to see it. I've said this before, um, but uh, I think the studio kind of regrets it with um, how the fan base has gone after that. So if they release mm-hmm. an air cut, then the, like that'll get the fan base rabbed again, and then like, oh, we won again, and then they just won't. Yeah, they just won't move they on. They won't stop. And, yeah, yeah, and. So I think that is probably some a trepidation from the studio as well. Well, but but let's go back. Like, uh, well, how many people is that fan base? I mean, is it is it really sensible to cater and or be afraid of that fan base? I mean, is it that large a group? I'm starting to be more and more think about it. it. I think it's just one guy. <laughs> it's like <laughs> no, he's got a lot of time on his hands. No, but, but a lot, there's, a lot there's of, clearly a lot at least a hundred like, people out there. <laughs> a lot of them will tweet like over and over again to make yeah. the numbers 
bigger because of these these tweet drives and, and i like the passion but um they don't they don't um translate into box office receipts i mean yeah black Other adam man. kind of proved that so and the other the other thing that I found a bit insane about the whole the release strategy of the movie was that in the United States they released it on HBO Max and they released it as a way to kind of try and drive up subscriptions to the the streaming platform but the problem I was like why didn't they just release it as if they're going to do it that way I was like just release it as a paid movie or something you have to rent or buy it if you're going to do that just release it that way because you ultimately what happens and what I always knew was going to happen was people were going to subscribe to HBO Max, watch the movie, and then cancel their subscription. So in the right. end, they'll only be getting a month's worth of money, like subscription service money, which I don't know how much uh, you know, it costs in America to, to subscribe to HBO Max, but it can't be much more than, what, $9, $10, maybe? Right. I think, I think, I think like it's nine-something nine a month, I'm not sure. Maybe. But if you're going to put it like like you know sell it as a DVD, I know people don't buy DVDs anymore, but s sell it digitally, you will end up making more they money do a, that way. Yeah, they did release it on Blu-ray. It did pretty well. Yeah, uh, and then, the uh, yeah, yeah, and then worldwide, like Black they Widow released it. People paid yeah, and Black Widow people paid thirty bucks on Disney well, Plus to that, watch it. I think I actually think that's a better way of doing it, even though mm. I don't agree with it. You know, um, I think the release strategy on Disney Plus made more sense, which is you actually had to pay money to see these movies early, as opposed to going to see them in the cinema, uh, because it, at least that way they get both their subscription service and they get someone paying to see that movie. Did you get to see it for free on Sky over there, Edward? No, no, no. Yeah, so I was going to talk about this. Internationally, you did have to buy it digitally, which makes it even more stupid. Because right? <laughs> right. they were like. We're going to do that here, but we've got this streaming platform service in America and maybe uh, in Canada it was on Crave, wasn't it? Um, and, and, uh, and it just, uh, there were a lot of mistakes made during that time. And I feel like Warner Brothers is now, is in, in such a mess now because of that. And actually now that like after all that mess, they then ended up losing, I think, one of their biggest box office pools, which um, was Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan will no longer make movies with Warner Brothers. Maybe one day he'll come back. Who knows? But Oppenheimer, I think, is paramount that, that making that film. So it's a pretty... I, was, I think that was disastrous. <laughs> Just that, that whole period, I think, was really, and really, really bad for Warner Brothers. And now we are seeing those... You know, We're, we're seeing the, the, they're losing money. They're hemorrhaging money. And I think yeah, especially when the directors and and the writers found out in the trades that their films are going to be put right, right. to digital, right? Yeah, right. I I think there were well, I think there were two things going on. Like Disney Plus was was charging thirty bucks for Black Widow, and counting on that they had enough other material that people would stay, and and they yeah. took out a lot of pushback for that, I believe, mm. um, and that's why they they just. Do an early. I don't think they do that anymore, do they? I think they just do an no, early, no, no, really, early release. Yeah, um, mm. and H. They were really trying to concentrate on HBO Max when they did the Justice League. When they okayed the Justice League release, that's when they were moving stuff over from the DC um, digital service onto HBO Max, and thinking this is going to be their next big thing. But then the whole the whole streaming market in the U.S. It hasn't collapsed, but it's it's sure leaning tower of pizzaing, 
at the yeah. moment because there's just too many things and um it's getting to the point to where you have things like freebie and pluto and there's going to be that lower uh tier of netflix where it's just going to be broadcast tv on demand yeah. with commercials and stuff so I, I, it, this is looking, that part of the business is looking really bad to me. And with the losses that Disney Plus and HBO Max have had, it just makes me think it's, it's even work, going to be even worse. I, I agree. I think, I do think that I always thought that the streaming kind of area of, of entertainment, pop culture was a bit, was kind of always on shaky ground anyway, because there, you know, you expect to have so much content on one streaming platform for right. actually a relatively low amount of money. Like right. it's still, I mean, it's getting more and more expensive now, but it's still not to the level as you were probably paying for Showtime or for HBO back in the day when it was like network television. Um, and the like in the UK, it's a Sky package. The Sky like it's quite big. You know, if you want to, if you want to have Sky, you're paying quite a lot a month. Um, and it's not like, you know, we're, we're not really being inundated. Like, there is a lot of new content, but it, there's a lot of stuff that it tends to get forgotten about as well now because of this, this, this way that they release things, apart from maybe on Disney+. Plus. But this kind of uh, binge mentality as well has led to a lot of people just watching, you know, just watching crap, really, for, uh, right. for lack of a better word, on these streaming services and not really going to more interesting things. One of the things I... I was looking at was I wanted to see how many people had watched Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio on Netflix. Apparently it's super low. The number is very low. And that's really, to me, such a shame because I watched uh, Pinocchio recently, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, after having watched the original Disney Pinocchio on Disney Plus, then went over to Netflix. And I was like, this film is incredible. And I wish it had a cinema a cinematic release because i think more people would have seen it that way so i actually think the streaming game has actually led to people like not not actually finding stuff to watch as easy because yeah. it's too much stuff in a weird yeah. way and it yeah. well, and tiger, tiger, tiger king did about. well tiger, yeah. tiger, <laughs> tiger king was right at the beginning of the pandemic and yeah. you know most people had netflix now there's stuff like like um i enjoy a, a british show called detectorists and it, it, in its life in the States, it's gone from Netflix to Hulu to Amazon Prime to Freebie on Amazon Prime. Um, oh, so, you know, you can't find yeah. the stuff you want to watch. And it, it just keeps jumping around and it keeps getting more expensive to have all these streaming services. Mm. So it's it, it it's it to me, it, it the business model is is not even as good as um, uh, commercial cable. At this point, yeah, no. and you and know actually, what I tried to watch this weekend? All the DC showcase oh. shorts. Try finding those. Can't even find them on HBO Max or Crave or whatnot. It shouldn't be that hard to find a 15-minute anime cartoon from DC. Yeah, well, but they might they might that. have they might have put that away. Going, we've got new stuff coming. We've got a whole new way of doing things. So. What they need to do is make more of those for the, these new characters they're going to introduce because those are great. Maybe I think they, they need to make. make I think they need to make more Justice League Unlimited to introduce all those characters. I That's what that. I think. <laughs> Can I have that jacket? Um, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things I have actually found to be quite interesting that Warner Brothers Discovery has been doing is they've been going back to the licensing um, 
way of uh, you know with their TV shows. So they're licensing uh, their you know the, some of their bigger shows. They're that they're going right. All right, if you want it, Netflix, you can pay us this much money and we'll make it, but it'll be on your streaming service. Right. And I th I think that's the way they're going to go forward. We saw it recently with the uh, Dead Boy Detectives, for instance, was a, a show that was being made for HBO Max. It's now going to be on Netflix. So it seems as though they're looking at that as a more kind of stable business model with their future, for lack of a better word, content. There's there's a whole bunch of interesting things in the Dead Boy Detectives thing because it's it's a DC property that they're willing to let somebody else broadcast, and it's Berlanti who love him or hate him has been, you know, really reliable with turning in uh, popular television shows and they're willing to let him go to Netflix as well. So mm. that's kind of weird. I mean, it's, yeah, it's going to be their product. They're getting paid for it. They'll own it at the end of the day, but it's not pushing either the CW or HBO max. No. And why well, it was, it, it's also something that it's, it's a bit, it's a bit like Sam, the, the Sandman it, It's kind of that right. it's, kind of what they did with that where although that was there was quite a big bidding war for that to begin with i think and it ended up going on to netflix but it's it, i i i almost see it as like warner brothers discovery kind of realizing that that they're not going to be making any money out of the streaming game so the best way for them to move forward they're even taking stuff off they're taking so much stuff off hbo max recently and and relicensing it out to other streamers because they know that they can't make the amount of money necessary they really need to make out of HBO Max mainly because it's only available in a couple of territories. You can't get HBO Max really outside of the United States because they they signed all these ridiculous agreements with other companies and studios all over the world to you know to license out their their products, which go on until like 2025, 2030 in the UK's case with Sky Atlantic. So it's um. You know, you, that, that means that you, you won't have HBO Max in the UK, a pretty big market until at yeah. least 2030. So what's the point? You know, if you can't have it in Europe until then, what is the point? I think there's one place in Europe that has it, and that's that's Holland, the Netherlands, and that's it. So both, both people in the Netherlands can watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the only time I've been able to even see the platform was we went to Amsterdam, me and my wife, and the the, the girl, we stayed and um, we looked after a girl's cat uh, for a week, which was very nice, you know, very, very nice flat in the middle of Amsterdam, looked after a lovely cat. And she, of course, had HBO Max. And I was like, oh, of course she does. We're in Holland. And Amsterdam was the only place here. So I looked, I looked through it. I was like, yeah, it's cool. You can watch Friends on it. You know, I, we, we watched Friends on Netflix here in, in, in the UK. In, in, uh, no, not the UK, in, in France. So, yeah, it's like, okay, fine. It, it was all right. It, not, not that much stuff on it, though. I thought it looked no. a bit barren. And it's changed because it, when, it, when it first started, there was a lot of stuff on there. Yeah, and you could you could dig back into stuff. past HBO shows, and there, uh, the, I think they had all the comedy specials going back to Robert Klein's first one in the I think yeah. it's in the seventies, you know. And then they've been cutting stuff off piece by piece. And and why, why? What is it? Because is, they're going your, to license your, them out. I bet it's that. So so it's popular enough that somebody will pay you for it but it's not mm. popular enough to draw people into your subscription service. Well, apparently one of the biggest things they make money from is the licensing of Friends. Friends apparently right. is huge right. for them. Right. So, and, so and it's huge, it's huge worldwide. worldwide. When, yeah. when I was teaching English as a second language, every Chinese student and every Brazilian student 
asked me if I liked friends. Every <laughs> single one. <laughs> yeah. And like it's, France it's has got like in, yeah. in in China, in mainland China, France has got to seem like science fiction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> it does. I don't I, I don't know what the whole I don't know about Seinfeld. I don't know who owns the rights to Seinfeld, but I know that that also NBC. is a big one. Is it NBC? Does NBC uh, still own it? NBC. Was were they the production company as well? Yeah, they were, weren't so. they? They were. Yeah. So universal, so yeah. Well, they're they're the two biggest ones apparently, according to um, someone I was talking to about all of this a couple of days ago. Is the licensing of Friends is huge, brings in a lot of money for Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers actually. This is another thing I, I found out. They make a lot of shows for other streaming platforms, so they make a lot of Apple stuff. So uh, recently, the new series Shrinking, which I watched recently, is really good. Uh, with Harrison Ford and Jason Siegel, which is on Apple TV Plus, and the other one is Ted Lasso. So yeah. they, they make those two shows for Apple TV Plus, and I think that's what the <laughs> you know. To me, I'm like this is bonkers. Like you've got these two. Like in Ted Lasso's case, one of the most it's the only reason you subscribe to Apple TV Plus. Let's be honest, there's not right. much else there. I mean, I think there's well, actually quite there's kind of good content there. But Hello Tomorrow, I'm a I'm a Hello Tomorrow fan, so. Like, yeah, I mean, there's there's some. I mean, there there are some things, but I just think it's. I'm like, you, you make you agree, like you you basically do all the work on this show, uh, you know, being Warner Brothers, and then in the end, you're like, well, we can't put it on our own streaming platform, so we'll cut a deal with Apple, and put and 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 you know, because it's just HBO Max is just useless. It's such a useless streaming platform. <laughs> so I was thinking about it, like it's so rubbish, and people you go know on about this- it in America. This is making me think of um, when the WB, which became the CW, first started. The year the WB started is the year that Friends and ER started on NBC. And apparently they were produced by Warner Brothers Television. And apparently nobody at Warner Brothers Television offered either of those shows to the WB. Wow. (laughs) I think this might be a company culture thing. This has been going on for years. It's just the bad management. Warner Brothers is Imperial Japan. They're all fighting to to make the Shogun happy, and they don't care who goes down. <laughs> You're by the beard of Zeus. Says, "Whoops." <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Warner Brothers executives have been saying that since the, since the company began. I think, <laughs> so I think how, since, how they still around. This has all started since Jack Warner died. If he were still alive, boy, none of this would be going on. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Um, There'd, there'd be racist messages everywhere, but none of this would be going on. <coughs> actually, actually, no. Actually, Jack Warner was was one of the least racist of the uh, <laughs> original Hollywood moguls, which is again a pretty high bar. Yeah, <laughs> just saying something, so, so Edward. You were you were talking about um, Netflix and superhero shows uh, earlier. Mm. You've got you've yes. got some news on uh, an old uh, Marvel Netflix show. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to tee me up. Yeah, so um, we, we were, for we six, were told... Edward. Hit it for six. Yeah. Hit it for six. Well, we were told that... Uh, so this whole John Bernthal story has been kind of going along for a while now. Will he, won't he come back to play the Punisher? Um, apparently, uh, the, uh, the idea is to bring him back uh, in Daredevil Born Again in some capacity. 
Now, we won't give him too much information about it because I think it's still pretty early days with that one and what's happening with him. Uh, but the idea is to introduce him in, in that series so that they can use him later on, further down the line. But, I mean, I I do wonder in my head, I do wonder whether a sticking point for John Bernthal is like how they approach the character because he is someone that said multiple times that he you know his version of frank castle is he wants it to be very much comic book accurate yeah which in, like marvel max but do you think so like yeah. no walk of shame for frank castle and daredevil <clears throat> born again what's I mean, he who's he gonna who's he gonna be sleeping with she hulk <laughs> i mean Dare, daredevil had the walk of shame in she hulk so you so that, that was my joke, Sean. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I understand. I understand. You, you don't need to subtitle them for me, but I appreciate the thought. <laughs> but, well, Rodney I mean, yeah. says it's going to be graphic mature like the Netflix Punisher series. Well, we put out a video last year um, about the show they were working on. It was going to have some Western vibes and be very hard R. And the Punisher was going to be on the run um, from these people hunting him. That's how they're going to start it. But now if they're going to introduce him into Daredevil Born Again, it'd be interesting how they're going to uh, take that direction. But it also bodes well for Daredevil Born Again, um, how it, it might not be as lighthearted, obviously, as She-Hulk. It'll probably be dark, too. If, mm. if you know, John Bernthal's been pushing for a, a dark Punisher, comic-accurate Garth Ennis-run Punisher. But well, I, Garth Ennis-run did have a lot of comedy moments in it as well. See, the thing about that run, and I'm not going to go on tangent here, but um, everyone in that in that series except Frank Castle is stupid or laughable, right? And that's what makes that series work because he's that the focus of the seriousness is on Frank Castle, and I think mm -hmm. that's how it should be in the series, right? even in Daredevil Born Again. So there's a room for that leeway there, that Marvel humor. Um, but you watch a Punisher series, you don't want uh, a bunch of humor in it or, you know, to be too marvelized yeah i i just uh, my problem with the punisher tv series was that he was just too mopey he wasn't angry angry guy out for revenge he was he was i'm i'm sad i'm so sad let me brush off my skull t-shirt maybe i'll kill somebody later but i'm just so sad <laughs> but the, i do wonder whether that was one of the things that actually uh, appealed to someone like john bernthal the, he he does. If you watch a lot of the stuff he does, he likes to go to those places emotionally, and he talks about that a lot as well. He's like, he often uh, he likes more emotional characters because he's like, you know, I'm this guy that's got this rough facade, but I'm actually a lot more than that underneath. You know, he's talked about this on multiple podcasts that he's appeared on. But it needs to it needs to vary. I mean, it needs to, you know, it needs to mm. go up and down. And to me, when I, mm. I only watched like the first three or four episodes of Punisher because I was just so bored by it. But it just seemed like he was just this all the time. What I can say is I, I, I watched, yeah, I, I liked it, but I thought the first season was a lot stronger than the second. Um, uh, there, there were some really good moments in the first season, but I do think they took like I think they got a bit too obsessed with trying to make it as violent as they possibly could do. Um, and it kind of took away a bit from the show in the end, I think. And I think you're right, actually, Sean. I think he was a bit too mopey in it and a bit too depressed. Second series, he gets, he, you know, starts going a bit more Frank Castle, like from the comics. And 
just very violent and doesn't really you don't really see much of that more emotional side of him that you did in the first mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. But I, I I do wonder whether this is actually well, one of the things that I heard is that Daredevil Born Again is actually going to be quite contained and isn't really going to mesh much with the rest of the MCU or the outside world kind of and it's going to be more yeah more contained and less uh, yeah less obsessed with like connecting to other things like if you look at like what's going on with Loki they like seem to be obsessed with that like connecting that to the Kang dynasty and all that stuff and setting that up uh, I, I I like that. I like the fact that it's kind of going to be a bit more contained and a bit more story focused. Hopefully, yeah, I do too. I don't, I don't think there, this Daredevil really mends well with the rest of the Marvel universe. So I mm. kind of like having him off to one side, and maybe you bring him in once in a while, like on like on She Hulk, which which humanized him. I thought, um, yeah, you know that kind of stuff works okay. But um, it was actually one of the episodes of She-Hulk I really liked a lot. Yeah. Um, because, I, I, first of all, it was, you know, Daredevil was doing Daredevil stuff besides flirting with her when he was had the costume on. He was actually doing stuff like I want to see Daredevil doing. Mm. Um, but I, it would be really cool to see sort of a gritty... I mean, I, all the Frank Miller stuff is just there. And if you don't want to use the Frank Miller stuff, the Ann and Senti stuff is great. Actually, Denny O'Neill had a really good run on Daredevil after Frank Miller. And because Frank Miller was so mm-hmm. iconic, all that other stuff really gets forgotten. And it's not even reprinted, really. Some of the Nuncenti stuff is reprinted. But that book had a really solid run after uh, Frank Miller, too. Daredevil, um, Mark Wade's run was pretty good, too. I enjoyed that. It was yeah. a different tone, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Who who wrote the the man without fear? Who who wrote that that comic book from? That was a, Daredevil. a subtitle series, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daredevil: The Man Without Fear wasn't that? Um, that's the that's the type. That's what the book is called. Mm. Oh, there's oh, that uh, was Frank. Yeah, that was Frank Miller with um. Isn't that Frank Miller? Yeah, John Romita Jr. Yeah. There's also one. Uh, there's also a novelization of that by Paul Crilly. Well, actually, this is. I don't know if you saw the interview, Sean, that we did with um, uh, Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane, that previously played the Punisher. He. Well, what was? Do you remember the name of the comic that he wanted to do, James, as the Punisher? He he talked about. Ah. Uh, oh, I can't. You, uh, if you have, if you can, go and try and check out that interview that we did with Thomas Jane on the Small Screen Channel. But he he mentioned um, it was almost. I think he kind of pitched it as like a Frank Castle trapped somewhere. <laughs> sounds as a, sounds as a bit like um, like the Dread movie, which has ah oh, sounds mm, quite interesting. Right. Yeah. Um, but he he did he talked a lot about this particular comic book. I'm forgetting Circle the name of now. Blood. Circle of Blood, that's it. Yeah. He said and he would he, do it as a director. He would love to make Circle of Blood. Castle ends up in prison with everybody that he put there over the years, and they all want to kill him. It's a really great little graphic novel. Use that as the core and sort of expand it, expand, a, expand it out a bit. Rorschach and Watchmen. You're, I'm not trapped <laughs> yeah. in here. I, I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that could that could play quite well, I think. Yeah, uh, the, the, it's the, contained. The, the, It'd be easy. Yeah. easy to shoot superhero movie. Yeah, 
And I, I really do think that the that we've said this multiple times on this show, but Marvel really really needs to start thinking differently. I think, especially given um, the recent uh, box office drop <laughs> in Ant Man three. Um, I am really working on these on these scooters on these mopeds. Um, <laughs> they're not mopeds. Yeah. They're scooters. They're Cortinas so, and Lambrettas. So, someone in the comments said moped. It was like, okay, fine. Um, but yeah, so Ant Man's had I think it's a seventy-two percent drop off. Really? Uh, in box in box office revenue uh, from uh, for the second weekend. So it did really well the first weekend. Second weekend is huge drop. Uh, this is in the United States. I'm not sure. Well, I don't think the worldwide numbers are available yet. But I'm not surprised because yeah. I don't think this is a movie that people are going to want to see twice. Yep. And I get I get the impression that a lot of people have seen Ant-Man Quantumania and they're like, okay, I'm fine with that. I don't need to go and see that again. And uh, if they do want to see it twice, it's going to be on Disney Plus in a couple of months anyway. So why? Exactly do that i think that's i i'm really not a fan of this uh short release window idea i think it's i think that's part of what's killing their box office this is the stupid thing i have actually had arguments with people on because i did a video on tiktok about um kind of explaining the french release strategy uh which is the the, the france the french government is very protective of its cinema industry because you know cinema is a French invention. You know they like to go on and hark on about the Lumiere brothers having created cinema, and they really want uh, cinemas to stay alive. Which I think personally is a great thing because I love going to the cinema. And the last is- Jerry, the last Jerry Lewis cinema, is actually in Alsace Lorraine. Not many people know that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, you make it up. In, okay. Alsace Lorraine, <laughs> they get the German and the French audiences. <laughs> Do you guys know where Alsace is? I don't even know. Is Lorraine even in Alsace? I'm out, have, have, have you made that up? <laughs> no, they're they're close. They're close. They're close. They're close. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I was explaining, and, and the French, um, basically, if you want to re- release a movie in cinemas, you have, I think you can't, you, you can't have the movie be released on streaming for like up to eight months or like to a year and a half, I think in some cases. Um, so it's like, the, there's a very big like gap in between the movie coming out in cinemas and being able, you know, either DVD or streaming. And they, they, they did this in order to protect their cinemas because they want, I mean, the, it's in French culture anyway, we, loads of people go to the cinema here. And I think that's actually, pers- I, I mean, I think that it's a bit too much. I think the amount of time that they talk about, because really a movie needs, what, a couple of months at the cinema to be able to make its money back. But if people know that that movie is going to be on streaming within the next couple of weeks, what's the incentive to go and see the movie at the cinema? Now, then people will often say, well, you know, cinema cinemas need to do more in order to entice people to come. It needs to be a better experience. Again, as far as I'm concerned, like my experience going to the cinemas in France, in Paris, and even in the UK is always quite good. I don't know what it's like in the US. I've heard horror stories of cinemas in the US. Yeah, apparently it's in not In North very America, good. it's pretty crap. Yeah. yeah, well, this is, and this is a problem. And I actually think it is also a cultural thing. I think maybe there was a more, 
I'm not, I don't want to say Europeans are prouder of their cinemas and make it a better experience, but I have very rarely had a bad experience at the cinema. And, you know, it's always very comfortable. The, it's always really, the projection is always really good. You've got really good sound systems and most of them now they're all being updated as well. And, um, you know, it's a th even if you go to like a local, a small community in, in somewhere in France or the UK, cinemas are generally still quite good and people still go to them. Um, no, the theaters are nice in in North America. It's just the people. Yeah, I agree with James a thousand percent. I mean, people don't value uh, watching the experience of watching a movie or even yes. a TV series. Thank you. Yeah, it's not mm -hmm. an experience so, anymore. It's yeah. not. They don't appreciate appreciate it. To be honest with you, we're not we're not trained that way here. We're trained to. Um, it's just a movie or it's just a TV show or it's just a yeah. play. And it's, 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 it's invading live theater too. I had a friend uh, talk about going to see some Broadway musical and they had to come out at the beginning of the show to tell the people in the first row not to put their feet up on the stage. Yeah. I think it, I think it must be a cultural thing then because you, honestly, you first off, like in the, in France, people get very funny about people being on their phones, which I'm one of those people. I will tell someone to put your phone away, uh, in the cinema. You see it a lot, happen a lot. People are quite respectful in general. I have had some instances where I've been to like one, the one I remember is going to see Transformers, the, the dark of the moon, I think is the actual title, not dark of the moon. I think it's the dark of the moon, awful movie, terrible film. Don't know why I went to see it. But the people in the cinema were awful, like throwing popcorn at the screen. I'd never seen this before in my life. And I was like, I was kind of in my head, I was like, I don't really want to go up to them because there are quite a few and they're quite kind of young, you know, young men. And I'm just one guy. So, you know, they're probably, I will probably lose that fight. And I didn't really want to have a fight about a Transformers movie. But I was like, <laughs> in, in, in my head, I was getting very annoyed because I was like, you have to respect the cinema. You can't be doing this in the cinema. Right. And um, that that did piss me off. And in the UK, I had a bad experience watching the first It movie, where I was next to these two women that were Snapchatting the whole way through the first 30 minutes of the movie. And I turned to, I turned to them and I said, have you really spent 15 quid each to sit here and be on Snapchat. And they were like, what do you mean? And I was like, you, you, <laughs> you've spent money to be here and you're just on your bloody phone Snapchatting. So I said, if you're going to continue doing that, I would recommend you just leave. And they left. And then I had a great time after yeah. that. <laughs> See, I used it's, it hasn't always been like this in North America. Yeah. Like in the yeah. late 80s and the 90s, it was still kind of good. It got the the end of the 90s were started to go downhill in the, the theatrical experience it's, it's, it, it started in the 80s i mean i'm you know i'm old enough I, as i keep saying i'm i'm old enough but I, I remember when your parents would make you put on a coat and tie to go to a the movie theater you know but my my dad would make me wear a tie to go to a football game so um because that's <laughs> i mean wow you know, seriously Dude, my parents go on an airplane right yeah, my parents were almost 50 when I was born. So, you know, they were from a long time ago. Um, but I was the guy who would get in fights in the theater to, if people didn't quiet down. And, me too, you know, yeah. Yeah, I don't... Stop I don't kicking wanna, the chair behind yeah, me. Like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that anymore. It's just... It's not our job to babysit. 
yeah, it's just a horrible experience going to a movie theater. You're just trapped with a bunch of people that you wouldn't normally want to be with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I pay extra, if I pay extra for like the big screen IMAX 3D smell-o-vision, you know, personal headphones and a guy bringing me nachos when I press a bell, uh, the audiences tend to be better. That's why I'm saying road shows. I remember road shows. I remember being a little little kid and being taken to see. Uh, sound of music on a road show and you had to have you had to have tickets like you had to go to the theater and you had ushers in uniforms that took you down to your seat barbara goldman and her mother took us you know well, and I, I, I mean we still we still have ushers here in in, in france it's still a big really thing. in a yeah. uniform and stuff yeah yeah they're, they're in, well they're in like black they're all, all in black not really a uniform but they're, they're there you know and they go around with the, the torches they show people to their seats my brother was an usher in, in, in our local cinema where we were. He, that's the job he did for a while. But it, it, I, really do, I really do think it, is a, it must be a cultural thing. And I, I, I do wonder whether it's the same in, in, all over the United States or whether there are certain parts of the United States where it might be. I don't know. I can't imagine going to like Broadway in New York and having this sort of problem. Oh, I just told you, I just told you that friend, friends in theater at Broadway had to they had to come out and tell people to not put their that, feet up that on was the a, stage. That was, was on Broadway. Broadway. That was a Broadway oh, show. Yes, they had to come out and tell people not to put their head on the stage. You have uh, um, what's her name from Avita, uh, Patty Lapone will stop the show and lecture people for taking pictures or having their oh. phones out during the show. I mean, in Broadway, tickets are in hundreds of dollars. Yeah, so you know they're they're paying. Yeah. They're paying what? What's fifteen quid? Is that like thirty bucks? Twenty five, thirty dollars? They're paying. When, yeah, they're paying hundreds of dollars for a Broadway show, and they're doing it. I, 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 I imagine to, that the Alamo Draft House is probably a good experience. Maybe, yeah. I hear, I hear yeah. good things about that. Yeah, yeah. And when you you said Barbara Goldman, you were talking about the producer. No, oh. I was talking about the, the girl who lived around the corner that my mother wanted me to marry. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Uh, I've been. We were, we were four. I'm Edward. Edward, I'm like trying to figure out, you know, how I can get an EU passport now. And move <laughs> to France. I mean, it, it, honestly, I'm I'm quite shocked. This is the, this is the thing as well. When I think when I I talk to people that are in the United States or in North America, like you guys, it, it does. It is a bit mind boggling to me uh, that that it's so bad there because like. I've been to see a lot of West End shows. Have never had any sorts of problems like that. Like people are always very respectful, um, and maybe it's maybe there's more of a love of the craft as well. Whereas you know the it's like people in America see it more as like box office blockbuster. You know, um, I'm already here giving you my time. I can do whatever I want. Like kind of treat it as though it's your own living room type thing. Whereas I do think there's like if you go out to see a play or you know a show or a movie in Europe, it's very much like we have paid for the experience. Mm. And I'd, maybe there's just, I mean, there will always be dickheads. There will always be twats that yeah. will do something. But I get the feeling that the majority of people will want to like deal with that. Like in England, we're very, the English are very kind of like, we will sh- like, you know, we will give you a stern look and that's enough. <laughs> <You know>? mm. <laughs> and in France, people won't stop to tell you what they think of you. you know, if, they, if they we will tell you what. And, and in and Toronto, have... there's, 
in Toronto, there's some really good theaters that still uh, people uh, respect the cinema. There's like the Carlton Cinema. There's the Bathurst uh, Theater. Um, you can go there, and there's a whole bunch of theaters in Toronto that you can watch, and everyone's quiet and respectful. But in the majority of North America, it seems to be lost. Yeah, yeah. And, and us, by the way, if you're in Toronto around Halloween, go see the Rocky Horror Picture Show at the Bathurst Theater. Man, that's such a great experience. Bring some dry toast to throw at the screen. When they all toast, you'll have a good time. I I, I still have friends who are professionals in the theater and, and like um, New York. And they, they, one of them just posted this weekend that he was doing a show. And he does a clown bit at the beginning of the show telling people to turn their phones off. And he said the first three rows were people either texting, talking on their phone, or trying to record the performance for that he said it's always for wow. him it's always the people in the best seats who have paid a lot of money for those seats and it boggles his mind you know you know what I, I i saw once um so my wife and i went to vienna uh and uh, we went to the royal opera house in vienna now i'm not a big fan of ballet um actually i hate ballet uh and uh we were we got the tickets through a pr because my my wife's a journalist we went there, and the first person I saw in the seat in front of me was um, a Chinese gentleman that had turned up in flip-flops and shorts to the Royal Opera House in Vienna. And I, that, that was a, a moment that is always going to be entrenched in my mind as a bit like, okay, like this is a, this is a bit of a – I think this is quite problematic. Well, it's like you used to go to the, the late shows in – in the u.s and dress in a suit and tie and nice clothes mm. but now they go in flip-flops and shorts and tank tops mm -hmm. and stuff yeah i was telling somebody yeah. the other day that they didn't believe me that when i was in college and right after you could not get into a bar wearing a t-shirt if you had mm. if you you had to have a collared shirt on to get into a bar and and they just didn't believe me and i i thought about it like yeah it seems completely crazy now well, thanks for watching the Old Man Podcast, everyone. <laughs> God damn it, my wheelchair is double parked. <laughs> well, I was going to say, what, what, else, I was what going, else can we say that's bad about what, times changing? When I was going clubbing, when I used to go clubbing, um, we in Paris, you can't, you at the time, I don't know what it is like now, I haven't been clubbing in many years, but you would not be able to go into a club if you were wearing trainers or sneakers. They would automatically say no. Also, jeans. They wouldn't let you wear jeans. So you had to go everywhere wearing, you know, relatively nice clothes. Well, it's already like you're going to a club in, in Paris. If you're a, a man, um, you know, you're not guaranteed entry. Because, <laughs> you know, of course, they're like, they're saying, yeah, yeah. you many men. No, you can't come in. You got to you got to find a woman to come in with. So so it was a lot of, you know, me, me and my mates going around Paris trying to be like, hey, do you want to trying to find girls? Being like, do you want to come to the club with us? If you're three, we're three. We can get in. <laughs> That's what I'm at the club for. I don't, why do I have to bring them with me? <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's uh, that was. Oh, I'm glad those days are over. It wasn't it wasn't really something that yeah. I had uh, much time for. I I was a grumpy old man when I was like 12, so, <laughs> so it was kind of weird for me. But um, uh, it's James, a shame. The one it's minute thirty second up now. <laughs> Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, James, so so Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Ryan Gosling's been cast, right? Oh, this! Uh, you saw my tweet. 
<laughs> I was looking. I was those tweets get so much traction, and they're so yeah. those accounts are so sneaky. So to give a little bit of uh, uh, background to this story, there was there's a very famous Twitter account called Discussing Film. They're also a website, I think. That you know they post um, news from. Well, they're pretty well known, aren't they? They're they're, they're, they're famous. Yeah, I suppose famous is not the well the right word, but um, they uh, post a lot of mainly like movie and TV news. But and they they are well respected. They are always you know source the right people. I think they've also broken a few stories of their own. Uh, but there'll be other website, uh, sorry, Twitter accounts out there that will do everything they can do within their power to make it seem as though they are <laughs> discussing film. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't getting banned for misinformation. Um, I was trying. I'm trying to inform people, but yeah. So basically, you look at the Twitter handle and you realise that it's not discussing film; it's discussing fine or something with two eyes and two and three S's. Or you know, they'll do it that way. And then these tweets end up getting thousands of retweets and thousands of likes. And one of the tweets was, of course, Ryan Gosling has been cast in Thunderbolts in a in a, in a lead role. If you've seen that and you believe it, well, it's not true. Um, Ryan Gosling hasn't been cast in that movie, but Stephen Yun has. That is true. And Stephen Yun has been cast in a, in a lead major role, apparently. And it's not going to be Invincible, I don't think. I don't think he's turning up as Invincible in that film, if you know the voices. So we, don't, we don't know who he's playing yet? Not yet. That hasn't been confirmed. No. Here we go. So you got it up here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just trying to provide a service, as you can see by that tweet, James. <laughs> and it's discussing fine. Not discussing yeah, I didn't see anything. Film. That was all Kaz. I was just highlighting the comment. <laughs> yes, I'm not. I'm trying to help people. It's only got one like my thing, so I haven't done very well. And that was only that was only you, Sean. It's probably me. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I only, I only I only go on Twitter every Tuesday morning. Like, oh, I better like everything James and Edward have done over the past week, so they think I'm paying attention. <laughs> I do the same. But the, fun, the funny thing, I mean, I tried to add the real discussing film in there. That they, they they obviously don't care about this because it happens so much. No, they just want, and and that's happening with a lot of the comic book news sites too. Is they just post uh, bullshit to you know for as clickbait, and it it's. Um, I, I, it's it's kind of like what's going on with politics in the states and and in Canada to a certain degree. I mean, there's nobody minding the store anymore. It's just whatever mm. anybody wants to put out, they can put out now. Well, as as you know, guys, it's not it, it, it's not um, it's not fake news. It's alternative facts, isn't it? So uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> wow. Oh, I can't Lord. work out whether they're massive or you're just quite small. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're fairly large. They are big. Big boys. Five, five, well five, ten, at, five ten at my uh, way in at the doctor yesterday. <laughs> yeah, so you, you're, you're over average height then. Yeah, I so said my, my <laughs> weight's down, my blood, pressure, my blood pressure's down, my cholesterol's down, but you're still crazy. <laughs> Uh, brilliant um yeah so we don't know who he's playing in in the movie uh thunderbolts is an interesting one uh i'm not sh quite sure what to expect from that film but it's got a very interesting cast i have to yeah. say yeah 
uh, really some really good actors in there. You've got David Harbour's going to be in there, Florence Pugh's in there, Stephen Yeun. You've got Harrison Ford, um, who's is he going to be? He's going to be President Ross great, in the movie. Great. So General Ross has has been elected president. <laughs> um, and Har- Harbour's Red Guardian, right? Yes, yeah, back as Red yeah. Guardian. Wyatt I just, I, I just find it as John Walker. Yes, Wyatt, that's right. Wyatt, Wyatt Russell. Back. I'm, I'm assuming. Yes. So, yes. Um, uh, Julia Lee Dreyfus is back as the Contessa <clears throat> in that. Yes. Yeah. Sebastian Stan, yeah. Bucky Barnes listed on the IMDb. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, it's it's a good it's a good um, a good cast. I just find it hilarious that you know. They they were like, we know that it's going to be President Ross in this movie. Who can we cast as the president? And the first name that comes to mind is, of course, Harrison Ford. Get off my plane! Well, because exactly. William Hurt's dead. I mean, it was it's Thunderbolt Ross, yeah. isn't it? Isn't he? Isn't he yeah. taking over the part from William Hurt? He was Secretary yes. of State in uh, Winter Soldier and Civil War. Was he? I didn't even know he was. He was Secretary of State. The last time I think he was was that the last time he was seen was in. Was no, he in, was yeah, seen in. Um, oh, uh, Widow, uh, which where's the Civil War is the uh, Accords right, and that he yes. presents that he presents that to the Avengers and says this is what you got to yes. do it. I think but that's he the last time. A hologram though later on. Oh, did he? Right now, yeah. Uh, the last okay. one was. Uh, Endgame. Yep. No, Black Widow. He showed up in Black Widow. It was Black Widow, but but in Black Widow, that was, I think that was like kind of flashback, wasn't it, that he was in? Yeah, they did some de aging on him. Yeah. 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 Um, So, yeah. How do you say this name, Sean? You can correct me. Kurt Busiek? Busiek? Kurt Busiek. He's listed as a writer, but I think that's just because it's based on the comics of his run. Yeah, he wrote the books. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm kind of interested in it. I don't really know that run, but they're putting together such a wacky cast. I just hope it's not going to be all um, uh, let David Harbour riff for half an hour and we'll just put that on screen and people will love it because he's funny. Because I kind of I like that. I was interested in that character, Red Guardian. I was interested in going a little deeper into him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know, know if you guys written, know who else it's written by. Sorry, Edward. No. Uh, it's written by Eric Eric Pearson. He started off as a script doctor on Ant Man, and then a script doctor on Spider Man Homecoming, Pacific Rim, Uprising, what's Avengers the, Infinity War, Avengers doctor? Endgame, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. It's someone that comes in and does rewrites and polishes yeah. on the scripts. Un- um, usually, un- usually uncredited. Yeah, he wasn't credited on any of those, but it's on his IMDb, and then. He was credited as a writer on the Marvel One Shot, One Shot the Consultant, and the One Shot. A funny thing happened the way on Thor's hammer, and Item Forty Seven, and then Agent Carter One Shot. And then he was an executive story editor on Agent Carter. Then he wrote Thor Ragnarok, and he got a screenplay credit for Godzilla vs Kong and screenplay by um, Black Widow. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, sort of a <clears throat> sort of a roller coaster ride of quality there. Yeah, Thor Ragnarok was good, and I really liked Agent Carter, most of it, the series, but... Mm. King Kong yeah, versus man. Godzilla, though. Mm. Yeah. <coughs> and Black Widow was a bit kind of... Yeah. Iffy. Black Widow, I'm sorry, Black Widow wasn't very good. 
yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say i'm gonna say it. like even you can you can c- complain about the movies that have come out like more recently like even ant-man 3 and some people seem to not like black panther 2 but i think i actually think the most i think black widow was the worst marvel movie to have come out in the last couple of years it was just so disjointed and pointless after what yeah. we'd already seen why are we going back and doing this now other than to introduce new characters that you want us to follow yeah. And and, and has, I think I I think she deserved a lot better considering her service to that franchise. And it yeah. was service. It was, you know, she's she's gonna do the the parts that they need to make the story work, but never really get her own sort of moment no. in the sun. Yeah. It was a dis- for me it was a massive disappointment, that film. And I, I like I don't know if you guys saw David Harbour's yeah, that scene is awful. That CGI scene. You know is what terrible. that scene reminded me of? The, when well, Hawkeye looked over the bridge, I knew you. I knew Hawkeye you guys talked about Hawkeye. Yeah. <laughs> I that was like, wow, uh, it's the same kind of thing. <clears throat> it's such a waste of that movie. It was such a waste of like an incredible cast as well. I felt like Florence Pugh's amazing, Scarlett Johansson's brilliant, David Harbour's wonderful, like great. Rachel well, at least Ray Winstone did like a Ray Winston. That was amazing. Ray Winston. Like, that, that, that made the movie cannot do accents why the hell do you go i need someone to do an accent in my movie that's not east london i'm gonna get fucking ray winston you've got you've got if you've got ray winston my money is just let him talk however the fuck he wants to talk he's gonna turn in i'm still i i'm still a fan of the sweeney so it's ray winston (laughs) i forgot about that yeah (laughs) big big fan we're the sweeney and you're nicked (laughs) <laughs> what what i want my sweeney sequel <laughs> that's never gonna happen <laughs> i know but i'm heartbroken <laughs> but that, one, one of the funny things about that movie i i saw david harbour talking about it afterwards and um i think he was on one of those american late night chat shows and they were talking about the accents in that film and that he was that he was asked like, i just don't, don't understand how you can have like a perfect north american accent and the rest of the movie you're talking like this and he's like yes it makes no sense and he was like agreeing with him he's like i should be talking russian <laughs> have an accent the whole movie it makes absolutely no sense <laughs> I was like, at least he's honest <laughs> well they should have yeah. brought it back at some point that he need he needed to put on the accent again to, to fool somebody and that then it would have been all been forgiven because it would make sense he would have a decent american accent because he was undercover in the states but mm-hmm. then yeah. to just abandon it for the rest of the movie is is madness the only time the accent change like that has ever worked was with um Oh shit! Was it Die Hard? Was uh, oh my god, Alan Rickman? Uh, Snape, Alan Rickman, where yeah. he's you know he does the oh my god, no sorry, I'm I'm what you know on the on the roof, and I was like, that's the only time because it was a small amount, and it's like okay, maybe a Ger- a German speaker could pull that off for a little bit, um, but not Daniel Brohl was pretty good with switching accents in Civil War, though. What did he do in Civil War? How did he? He was. Oh, he yeah, he has a bit of a moment, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, terrific actor, so he can pull it yeah. off. I'm sorry, but Ray Winston just isn't is an isn't international that treasure, Edward. He's Ray. Ray Winston is a type. He's not a. He's not a. Um, a chameleon. He's a sexy beast. He's, he's a type. He's a sexy and beast. Just, and I, I have, I don't know why, but I like uh, uh, movies with big, broad, thuggish guys in them. <laughs> he's your type yeah. Ray Winston is your type that's yeah. fair enough 
<coughs> he's very good in The Departed, and he's very good in Sexy Beast. Uh, the, in The he's Departed, he's doing a treasure. He's, he's doing a better, like you know, accent in that. You can kind of it's all right. It's possible. There's a movie that he did called Is It Fool's Gold? That he did, um, where yeah. his accent goes all over the place. It's like it's, it, if you if you want, there's a, an old show that I used to watch called the. Um, it's the Adam and Joe show, and they did a. It was Adam Buxton and Joe Cornish, who is uh, was the original scriptwriter mm-hmm. on Ant Man, and they do a whole Attack thing about. Yeah, he did Attack the Block as well. They did a whole thing about Ray Winstone's accents in that one movie. It is hilarious. The, the boinging back to East London because he's meant to be like from the deep, deep south, and he's going like, "Yeah, I'll do it this," and then all that it goes goes right back into East London for one scene, <laughs> and no, no one knows why. <laughs> he probably does it on purpose because everyone gets his name wrong. It's actually Winstone. It's a Win. It's no, like it's Frank not. Quietly it's and Henry Cavill. No, it's Ray Winston. <laughs> No way it's Winstone. <laughs> it used to, it it used to be a thing on talk shows. I remember or chat shows seeing people talk about that American some American actors could do a passable British accent, but British actors just found it almost impossible to do an American accent. And at some point in the eighties, that changed. Like I think somebody yeah. did a concerted effort to try and figure out how to uh, make this work. And there's dialect. Sellers is great. Yeah, Peter Sellers is, is, but he's a freak of nature to begin yeah. with. And Hugh Laurie talked about that for a while too. Yeah, he had house, uh, yeah. that he couldn't go back to his own accent on the set because otherwise he'd never find the American accent again. Yeah, yeah. The, the, well, the, with, with him though, with Hugh Laurie, all, all he really did was just go very deep, wasn't yeah. it? He had a very and and that's kind of what they all do now. I think like now you've got like the Brits, you know, all the Brits in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like Benedict Cumberbatch, just does the same kind of thing. With his American name. it's like nondescript America. It's like, yeah. where do you come from? I don't. Know. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm not from. I'm not from anywhere. I'm from nowhere. <laughs> yeah the the one the, the one that really impressed me though was I never thought he could do it was Martin Freeman in the Fargo series. Well, I was like, oh, actually, that's good because I always thought Martin Freeman was very one note. You know, was always that guy from oh. the office. And to bring us back to Stephen Yun, I was going to ask about this. Are they going to actually utilize him as an actor, or are they just going to do no, the, go the Martin Freeman route, where it's like he'll just show oh, up and do a few scenes, and then he's kind of wasted? That would suck. Mm. That would suck. But I think he's he's. They say he's a lead character in the movie. So, but didn't they say that about Martin Freeman in, in the Black uh, Panther? In Black Panther. Yeah. Literally, they could cut out all of Martin Freeman's scenes in those movies and it would we yeah. wouldn't change anything <laughs> his character's so useless it's like yeah. why do you even have this guy in the cia that's just doesn't make any sense i'm worried i'm worried they're gonna do that with steven yun and thunderbolt yeah they have a, a lot of characters already. Like yeah. it's well it's, it's like what they're doing with uh what's his name uh who's playing jimmy lee in uh wadavision and in the marvel universe and in the uh, ant-man movies Oh, um, yeah. I, I, I'll look it up, Sean. Yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, he, he's yeah. it's a great character, and it, and it, they show him he has some depth, and then they just Randall pass Park. Him off. Randall Park, yeah. Randall Park. They brought him back for like a, a one second in Ant Man Three. He's literally in it for a second, and he doesn't say anything. <laughs> Imagine that. It's like I have to go and do this this one second scene. 
<laughs> well, he's a great he, actor. He's a great. He probably actor. was doing more yeah. than that, and uh, you know, <clears> it was got on the cutting room floor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a He's he's really good. In, I love him in Wonder Vision, and he's good in the the. I think he's Ant Man too. He's in a yeah. couple of scenes in there, isn't mm-hmm. he? <clears throat> with all the the magic stuff, that yeah, that that was yeah. That, they do that a lot with with these some of, a lot of these characters. Like they they constantly bring about community actors to just be in random scenes. Like um, Arbed from Community was in I think one of the Avengers movies. Or he's, no, he's, on the, he's on the he's on the first Avengers. He's on the helicarrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. I think it's Civil War. He's in. Yeah, no, the first event was. Oh wait, yeah, it was Civil no. War. It's, it's Civil it was, War or Winter Soldier. He's, he's on one the Helicarrier or something. It's one of those. And it's like, I, I know that it's, you know, it's the Russo brothers, so obviously they want to bring back their mates in it. But I think he's a bit wasted. I think he's actually quite a good actor. I um, think it was great yeah, to see him, though. Yeah, I suppose it's, yeah, it's one of those moments. Yeah. That, oh, they, they still haven't got, uh, what's his face, the, um, the, the, the lead in Community, the, the lawyer. Who's the act? The act oh, the Joel McHale. Actor? Joel McHale. I Joel. don't know who he'd play. Yeah, Joel McHale. I'd like. It's okay him. with me be... though. No, I. I don't know. I find him. I, I, I like him in Community. I, I every, think he's a good. Yeah, but every character he seems to play that I watch, he's just annoying. Like grating on the nerves. <laughs> like, did you see him in the in the new X Files? In the, did you, the new X Files no. episodes? Did you see his no. new sitcom Animal Control? Not yet. No. no, it's like it's it. It was. I swear to you, it was written by AI. Like <laughs> it probably was. Give us a give us <laughs> give us a sitcom, and we'll we'll plug in. It takes place at an office of an animal control thing, and there's a British person and Joel McHale. All right, we'll be back in 15 minutes. Wow. <laughs> well, talking of Randall Park, he was in an, a, a sitcom recently, wasn't he? A blockbuster. I think blockbuster. I was. I watched that whole first season. and I was like, "Oh, it's all right. It's not great, but it's fine." It, it got cancelled really quickly. It was like too soon to put that out. I think. Do you reckon? Well, they were trying to piggyback on that last blockbuster documentary. Yeah, but it's like it's, when the '70s show was out, and then they made the '80s show, and no one watched it. It was way too soon. 90, now the '90s show came what? out. It's terrible. That show. That they show actually, is like. I think that was written by AI. Definitely. The uh, '90s show. Did yeah. really well. There were some good moments in it. I watched it with Spooky. She really liked it. Me, I'm just like, what's up with all these jokes about the kids having sex with the adults? Like every episode, like there was like five jokes about that. And I turned to Spooky. I'm like, what is going on? Are they reinforcing Ooh. the Hollywood pedophilia stuff? And, and she's like, no, the, even the 70s show was there. Like, not this much. That's all they focused on. I was like, wow. I didn't. Yeah. I watched the. I want to do I a I video <laughs> Go ahead. I watched the first two episodes of that, and I was like, "This is not for me." I found it too cringe to watch, and I was like, "Like the the the, the fake laugh track just takes me out of it immediately." Also, because it's I'm not finding it funny, and then that just makes it even worse. <laughs> and right. I don't like the kids. Right. I don't like the kids in that show. I was like, "They're not. They're not interesting." So I was like, no, "I'm out. I'm tapping out of this after two episodes." Joe McKellar's, oh, he's in Stargirl. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. Just she, the, I think the characters he plays are just like dickish. And like, I that's like what him he as is, an actor. Yeah, yeah, but no thanks. I'd rather not yeah. see that. So no no Joel McHale in the MCU unless he doesn't play a dickish character. Yeah. So. But maybe Donald Glover at some point. 
coming back as Prowler. Is it Prowler? That'd be He's great. To play. Yeah, that'd be He's cool. super talented, so who knows what happens. I want, you know, if he made, like, another series like Atlanta, I'd watch that in a heartbeat. If you, I don't mm. know if you've ever seen that, Sean, but I highly recommend it. Yeah, I'm, I'm distracted for the moment by uh, Joel McHale and his Starman costume. Um, <laughs> It's not very wow. That, there was there were some bad choices made there. Um, <laughs> yes, that, I have there was seen some bad I, choices made with that show. That whole that whole show was not great. I, I have seen Atlanta, and I think the um, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, I think the uh, junior high episode in Atlanta is one of the finest pieces of television ever. Do you, did you get to the end yet? Have you watched no. the end? You yeah. have more to last season? No. Oh, yeah. When you do, let me know. Okay. It's, it's great, great television. Yeah. I think I, I think yeah. that's uh, that covers everything that we wanted to talk about today. Yep. Uh, You're going to yeah, be watching The Mandalorian? So. Well, now? No. Yes. To bed. Oh. No, I meant like... <laughs> In general. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to watch them or like on a weekly basis because again, it's only thirty minutes. It's kind of. I feel that I don't know. I just feel it's a bit pointless. I like to watch the. I think they're better to be watched in one go. I know I was talking about the uh, binge culture before, but I don't know. I always feel a bit empty. I'm going to watch it week to week because I've watched the other ones week to week, so I kind of have to keep mm-hmm. that up. But that's why I haven't watched The Last of Us because I'm just going to try and watch it back to back or like two episodes and then get back to it the next day or something. Will there be mopeds, segways, or any other kind of small two-wheeled vehicle in this season? That's what I want to know. Because it's the Mandalorian, not Book of Boba Fett. Oh, so there's no chance of a crossover? There's no chance the Mandalorian might might meet these Tamara Morrison might show up, probably. If we can get some Boba Fett redemption in it, that would be great. I would like that. What was that whole whole nitwit thing you you were talking about? James. Oh, um, <laughs> let, let me bring it up here. If I can, <laughs> actually, I don't know if I can find it. So I was adding a video about the Mandalorian, and I did the Adobe subtitles. And when when uh, he said Tamora, Adobe put that translated as dimwit. Oh, dimwit! <laughs> it was hilarious. And uh, let me see if I can find it um, because. Actually, I don't. I, I don't have to look somewhere. Oh, because um, my cousin always said dimwit, and it was freaking hilarious. And then just the the way that his here it is. Let me bring it over here. The way that his uh, on that frame where it says dimwit, and then his his expression is absolutely hilarious. So yeah, there it is. So that's that's what Adobe <laughs> Premiere thinks of Kimura. I love the font too. To dimwit. It's like it's 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 like one of those Disney knockoff comedies from the seventies. You know, the it's like the Boatniks, but set in space. It's dimwit. Oh, that's the opening to like a an eighties television show. Yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> I'll be there for you. (laughs) 
I don't know. I, I don't think I'm going to ever get enough of that one. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> It works you know so I have well. to do that now. Yeah, you're gonna have to do that. You're gonna have to cut like see like so many scenes from that show. Just that them all yeah. on the mopeds as well would work really well. <laughs> you know it would. I mean, now when looking at the camera after Redeem pops up. I think I think we need um, titles like that for this show. <laughs> oh dear it's the bantha fonts yes it is close Burbank condensed it's called the Fortnite font kids love it okay thanks right. for watching everyone have a good night thank you thanks everybody bye thanks everybody is that it or are we gonna do a real outro <laughs> I, th I thought that was perfectly fine thanks for listening and make sure you follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on as we'll have new episodes up each week and be sure to check out our youtube channel small screen co where we have exclusives news actor interviews edited videos of snippets from the small screen podcast and more thanks for listening and we'll see you next time